0: Hi guys, and welcome back for the fourth episode of the Powerful People podcast. My name is Beck Evans, and in this episode, you'll get to listen to me interview my amazing friend, Becky Mack. Uh, Like a couple of my other guests, I did meet Becky while I was traveling, and she is a truly incredible woman um, who is currently in France, uh, helping out in a refugee crisis, despite the pandemic, may I add. Um, I just want to add as well, I was a total rookie and did not mute my notifications. So I apologize greatly for the two notification alerts that are recorded during this episode. Um, But despite that, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here it is. Hey guys, I'm here with my friend, Becky. Um, Hi, Becky. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, now, yeah, so welcome onto this podcast. Uh, I thought I'd start by just uh, asking you to let everyone know whereabouts in the world you are right now.
1: Cool. So I'm in Calais, and I've been volunteering with an organisation called Care for Calais since end of April, um, who work with refugees um, who are kind of crossing. So they're on their like final um, steps towards hoping to get across to the UK, basically. So. We're supporting them with doing distributions of like clothes um, and food, and also like services as well.
0: Yes, and for everyone who's geo- geographically challenged, Calais is in
1: France. <laughs> Calais is in north, yeah, northwest France. Um, yeah. So it's like the north, northwest point of France, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so that's really cool um, what you're doing. And how, how about, how did you get into doing this volunteer program?
1: Yes, so I did it for the first time for, in September for two weeks, um, and I like knew I wanted to do it work with refugees, and I hadn't yet, but I knew the situation was pretty bad, and like my friend had done it before as well, so like I had a little bit of information from her, um, but you don't hear a lot about it in the media. Um, and then I was in Bali working, but obviously because of the virus, um, had to come home. And then as soon as I kind of my placement was cancelled in Bali, I knew that where I wanted to be was working with refugees especially during lockdown where I knew that they weren't going to have it's really hard for them to get volunteers at at the time because obviously everything was locked down Um, and the situation could have got really bad with the refugees because obviously it's really really hard to social distance you don't get like the proper like sanitation or um, hygiene because people are living on top of each other and in tents so um, yeah I just knew that that's where I wanted to be so and then I, I planned to come for a month well I knew I wanted to come for like at least a month. So I just booked for a month initially. And then as soon as I was there, I was like, tried to make the finances work. Um, and yeah, I've been been in Calais now for over three months. So wow. yeah, long time.
0: Do you plan on staying there for kind of an extended period of time? Or do you have like an end date?
1: Uh, so I'm planning to stay. So I work with Kev and I'm planning to stay with them until end of August. And then my plan is to actually go... Elsewhere, so either somewhere like Greece, like Samos or the Greek islands, they they have a lot of um, refugees that come through there because that's where they're crossing. Um, And then also like places like Serbia and Bosnia, who don't get many volunteers. But like, um, there's like different kind of routes that refugees take um, from either Africa or like Mm -hmm. Middle East. Um, And one of them, yeah, one of them through the Balkans. Another one's through like Greece as well or like Italy. So, um, yeah, I i basically, yeah, I'm planning to do, continue this kind of work, but hoping to get uh, like a work placement. Um, obviously, I've got to make the finances work. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited to kind of carry on this kind of work um, mm. elsewhere and, and just, yeah, see, see where I, else I can help,
0: really. Mm. And um, I've got to ask, because this virus has taken over the world, but did you have any reservations about going over during your pandemic? Like, what were your thoughts when you- it started happening, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. I, my mum was quite worried about me. Um, <laughs> she was like, well, you can't just go and volunteer another time when it's not like a lockdown and not a pandemic. But I, I just knew that this was the time that I wanted to go. And like, I knew that they wouldn't have the, the support that they, because in summer they usually get quite a lot of volunteers and I knew that they wouldn't be getting that. And I just, I just felt like, I felt a little bit helpless at home. And I was home for about a month when I got back from working in Bali. And I was like doing some, I was doing some online courses and I was like helping someone in my community and like doing lots of reading, which is great. But also like, I just wanted to be like actively doing something and like having gone, gone in Cal- to Calais in September, I like saw the like, the like devastating situation that was going on there. And I just, yeah, I just like, you know, you just know that you want to yeah. be somewhere doing something and that, and, and that's what that's what i decided to do um and the organization i work with they put a lot of measures in place so many of the organizations like stopped their operations because of covid but um they continued but we have to wear like we, we do things like we have to encourage social distancing so like people line up for we do mass distributions to up to like 300 people so we have to put measures in place so we do like sometimes use combs or like sprayed paint on the floor to like encourage two meter distance between mm-hmm. people in the line. And if we're doing services, we like, again, like, so we'll have like, um, we do like hair services. So we take like hair stuff because for hair, like it's so important for people's like dignity to like, you know, give them something to like, yeah, like about themselves as well. Um, because people like have low, low self-esteem, especially with what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we'll just, like, encourage to have, like, four people in, like, the square at a time and stuff. But also we wear, like, the, these, like, c- clinical masks, these, like, with an air vent, these really thick masks. And then we also wear another mask on top of that. And then we also have, um, like, PPE, so protective equipment, um, which was donated by British Airways to BA pyjamas. PA mm-hmm. um, so we're, we've put all the measures in place to be able to continue our support. And, like, the stuff, the stuff we use when we take out, Um, we like wash everything down and like yeah a lot of a lot of goes in goes into our operations to make sure that we are able to continue doing the work that we do
0: yeah that that is great um and it's good that you're able to continue doing that because as you said you know this is probably a time when they would need it most and need volunteers the most um Mm -hmm. and so so what would your kind of day-to-day schedule be like what would you do each day
1: yeah so it's really different um but the general basis is that we'll get get into work about 9 30 um and we'll have like briefings. so we spend the morning doing like warehouse tasks so we have a massive warehouse where like all the donations come in so we have to like sort through different donations um we have to like sort plan stuff for the afternoons so let's say if we're distributing like food packs we have to like we have like a massive setup where we have all the we have to all get all the different things mm-hmm. with, like food packs um and like pack them and then if we're doing like clothes you might have to get all that prepared and things have to get sorted quite a few times because um think like people donate stuff which have got stains on or holes on quite a lot so we have Mm. to give a lot of stuff away to textiles because like which I think is like made me realize doing this stuff which is like so important what what things you do actually donate because a lot of people think oh like I'll donate someone will appreciate it but like and like oh it's fine like it's just got a little hole but like imagine like queuing for like a t-shirt and you've like been in the same t-shirt for like two weeks for example you're queuing to get a t-shirt and you're waiting in line for like 45 minutes and then someone hands you like a t-shirt with a hole in like yeah. it's just it's but, yeah like you want you want to respect people and like mm. if you know treat people like humans so like yeah. we get a lot of like donations like that which is really strange but yeah so n- normal morning with well normal day would be like a warehouse in the morning so I, either we'll have different tasks we need to do um and you'll get kind of get allocated to your tasks and then um we'll have lunch all together and then we'll go out to a settlement in the afternoon so we have i think six or like five or six different settlements we go to so we go to most are in calais but there are like one in dunkirk which we go to which is just another port which is like like 35 minutes away from calais basically um, and yeah, and then we'll, 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 there'll be something that we're distributing that day. So it'll be like food or we'll do like a clothes item. So it could be like a t-shirt, could be a hoodie, could be like a blanket. So it could be, um, and we'll kind of, but we'll also like deliver services. So the services that we do deliver are like sewing. So, um, if people do come up and like have holes in their shirts and stuff that they've been wearing for a while, we can like patch up them for them. And then we do like hot drinks. So like tea, coffee, chocolate, biscuits. Um, and then we have like a bike service so um, people a lot of people use bikes in Calais to get around a lot of the refugees so we'll have like things to be able to like help them fix their bikes often like you just facilitate it and then we have like hair service as well but we don't actually do the cutting so like a lot of the refugees are amazing at cutting hair so like you just have to kind of watch the stuff and just kind of like facilitate and like help you know who's next and that kind of stuff and just like pass them the different equipment that they use um, yeah so that's like our main services so we do like the different services um and then and we play games as well so we'll like take a ball and things like that and then obviously just chat to people um and then we also like distribute distribute like an item as well so mm-hmm. that, that really depends so we have like a different there's about like a six week kind of rotor, or like the where we just do distribute different things so just to make sure like every five weeks people are getting like hygiene packs or like every so often um just to try and make it and obviously like we have to be sustainable as well so we'll we'll have quite a few things still in our warehouse but we can just like give everything away because obviously then mm-hmm. within like for example so we've got like um so this year because all the festivals are um cancelled we rely heavily on like tent donations from festivals mm-hmm. um and like you know doing those like massive like tent pickups from festival and sleeping bags as well um and because there's no festivals this year we're really going to struggle with getting like the tents so like the weather now has been generally quite nice so like and we can't really like we need to be can't give away all our tents now because like come winter when it's like freezing in the evening in the night like if we have no tents to distribute then it's like but it's really difficult because obviously like there's been these evictions going on um so yeah it's we haven't really-
0: like to think of all the ways that covid is impacting the world you wouldn't have thought that by um, not being able to have festivals. There are refugee camps that don't get tents. That's so interesting. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, so you mentioned evictions before. um, And what what does that involve, essentially?
1: Yeah, so um, we have fairly regular evictions. And so there's, like, different settlements where the refugees are based um well so we don't actually have there's no official refugee camp in um calais which therefore means that we have they have regular evictions because and so when the police come so there's like a police department called the crs which is like the riot police basically and they're kind of like funded by the uk government as well for like border control and then they'll come in like these they're like vans with like six of them in each in each van sometimes there'll be like six six vans arrive and they'll have like all these shields and basically they're like push people out of where they are so like ask them to leave and like they, they can use violence they have used violence they also have used tear gas to like move people along um and there is a lot of police brutality and then they take their stuff as well so like to stop them from coming back they'll take their tents they'll take their seat bags they'll take their phone some people's shoes like everything that people have so like we'll might have just dis- like us or another organization might have distributed something like blankets for example and then the next day like they might be like taking taken off them so like it's it's a really really like horrible um and like hostile environment in calais um but yeah so that's pretty much what happens with evictions some people also get taken on buses so like the we had the like a really like big eviction like a few weeks ago and they arrived at, like 5am the police arrived um and like with loads of buses, and like asked, like took people away on buses. And I think they like almost like herd people up like like sheep, like it's like insane. Um, and they'll drop them off. Some some people will be dropped off like five hours away, but just dropped on these buses, like not actually taken somewhere. Other people are like taken to like the like guy who was taken to a detention center and like potentially risk of like being deported back to like Afghanistan. Um, mm-hmm. Other people get put into like these accommodation centers. I don't know how great the like, I know my like no, the guy I knew that got taken to the detention centre, like, he, um, he w- didn't get fed for, like, 24 hours or something. Like, it's just, yeah, you don't know what kind of the... Um, some, some accommodation centres that they are taken to are okay, but, like, people are scared to get on these buses, so they run away, um, basically, when the police do come. But, like, they hurt themselves by running away because they're jumping over fences. So we see a lot of, like, injuries that have come from, like, running away from the police, like, sprained ankles, like, broke, like, different lots of different things so sometimes it's not always like the like the violence from the police that's like, that's causing like physical injury but it's also like the sca- they're scared of being taken away or like fingerprinted as well because like if they're fingerprinted they might see that their first safe country that they got to was like Italy or like Greece and that they can be deported there so like people refugees like live their lives in like fear basically of being like deported back somewhere and like so then yeah so that's what kind of happens with evictions basically um and they're really like regular so since that big eviction they haven't let let people settle in so they've they've fenced up so if you ever if anyone ever comes to Cali, they will see that there's like fences everywhere and like when I first arrived I just didn't really like take all in and then I was like wow like and when you realize it you're like they're literally just like stopping and it everywhere people going across because like there's the euro tunnel and so like obviously like refugees might try and get across in like different ways um but yeah it's it's pretty um pretty hostile environment
0: um and what are the people like the citizens of calais what are they like towards the refugees what it's what's it like for them um yeah
1: yeah so um there's a very hostile environment like there is there might be a few people that are like more empathetic towards it towards the situation but like most people like are very racist um like they'll i think do yeah they just like don't even like walk, might even cross the street to like not walk on again like walk past someone if that makes sense like we got like a couple of weeks ago me and um someone else were like talking to a refugee and like down this parking lot this guy like drives his car and like just stops just before us and like starts like hitting his hand like hand against his arm and being like you know why are you here? You shouldn't be helping them. Like, and that was towards us. Like, think about the, if he's doing that us like that to us. Like, what is he gonna? What are people like that gonna be like saying? Like, making people feel so uncomfortable. Um, and refugees feel so like kind of like uncomfortable in, in like they don't want to be, be there. Like, and um, so yeah, it's a really it's not a not a good place. And like people are constantly, kind of, like walking around and like it's just yeah, it's just they're not very very welcoming at all
0: Mm. um and so where are most of the refugees coming from do you think there's like a particular area um that they're mostly coming from or it's kind of all over those conflicted countries
1: yeah um it's pretty all over um there's Mm. obviously people from parts of africa so from um well yeah so from like chad um sudan uh And then there's people from, like, Middle East, so, like, well, Syria, um, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Kurdistan, quite a lot of people from Kurdistan, um, which is, like, almost, like, the stateless area, basically. So, um, yeah, like, people are coming from, like, so many different countries. Um, So there's, like, a lot of people speak Arabic. So, like, we have a couple of volunteers that speak Arabic, which is, like, really helpful. But um, people are speaking, like... So the two main reasons why people might come across to the, the UK or, like, decide they want to settle in the UK is because they've got family there or that they, English is their second language. Um, and a lot of people in the UK are like, oh, like, you know, they just want to take our jobs, da da But, like, the percentage of people, refugees that are actually, like, wanting to get to the UK is, like, so slim compared to, like, the general, like, the, well, like, the whole refugee community. A lot of people have settled in other places in Europe. Um,
0: so, yeah. Yeah, and so... Um would you say like the UK is the first choice for a lot of them or it's kind of like last resort or?
1: Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I've definitely met people um, that have like tried to claim asylum in like four different countries and their claims been rejected in like, like Greece, like Italy, Germany, France. And like, so UK is their kind of like last hope. And because like, if you look at the map, like it's almost like that last point that like kind of last hope to be like, okay, like across the channel, Get there and like everything's gonna be okay. And um, so for some people, it's it's definitely that. But then also for like other people, it is their like their their first choice because, as I was saying, like they've got family or like friends. Yeah. Like we do meet a lot of people that are like, oh my, like brother. Like I'll be like they'll say my brother's from like um like lives in Wolverhampton, which is like a place which is about half an hour down the road from me. Or like they'll say, oh where are you from? And I'll be like Birmingham. And like, oh I've got like a lot, everyone's like oh I've got like friends there. I've got family there and um. And yeah, English. I mean, if you think, if you had to flee your country and like, where would you feel like the most comfortable place to go is somewhere where you know people and somewhere that, that you know some of the language as well. Mm. So like, um, yeah, those, those definitely it's yeah. a mix of, mix
0: of both. And um, do you find most people do know how to speak English or do you have, is there trouble with language barriers um, doing what you do? Yeah, um it it depends yeah there's there is a lot of people that speak a
1: little bit of english um but you do come across some people that that don't speak um any english but but yeah it's people are kind of like really wanting to learn it because they they do really want to learn language that they're going to hopefully
0: kind of like be able to claim asylum in yeah yeah um and just going back to um COVID for a sec, but do you think that, um, you know, this COVID has impacted the amount of refugees coming out of these countries or has impacted, um, and I know we talked about before, um, stuff like um, lack of volunteers and being unable to get um, resources like tents and stuff, but are there any other ways that you think this pandemic has impacted um, this, the refugees, I guess?
1: yeah um, definitely when I first arrived in Calais like end of April the, we were seeing a lot less people coming through because obviously borders were clo- closed um to Europe so like it was a lot harder for people to be like crossing um but within the last couple of months a lot of new new refugees are like coming across and like traveling um so and I think like so a lot of the refugees don't kind of believe in or well, they don't necessarily believe in it but they're like oh Corona's finished and like they're like we're okay like So it's quite difficult. So we have to wear these masks and we're almost like, it's hard for us to build rapport with people because like a simple smile, Mm. like, and having that connection with someone is like such an easy way to kind of like tell, you know, to tell someone that you're there for them or like you're you're like, you're wanting to help and stuff like that. Whereas like we've got these like full on masks somewhere. So you have to use like your eyes to be really expressive, but also your like hand gestures. So I've like really learned to like be really expressive with my (laughs) eyes. Um, Just Just because I think like, yeah, and like also even just like, like increasing that hostile environment, like mm-hmm. of like people thinking, oh, like you know, I might like re- like d- don't want to come across a refugee in a shop because they're worried that they might like catch the virus off them or something like that. And I know, mean, like we we have to um, like obviously we were saying, I was saying we wear all that PPE and masks, mm-hmm. and like a worry that like refugees think that we it's because we think that like you know we might catch it off them, but obviously we're just doing it to protect them yeah. um, because vi- like volunteers could also be the carrier as well, and we're coming mm-hmm. from a country that like you know have high cases of high cases as well so um yeah I think like it's definitely impacted the way well it's definitely impacted the way that we do things here at Care for Cali mm-hmm. and like with volunteers like they used to getting so many volunteers and when I first arrived I think we had like 11 or 12 or something volunteers mm-hmm. um and then it's kind of been up and down and definitely we used to have carry all these documentations so like to get across like I I got crossed by had to go via like um Holland and then travel through like three different countries. So I took like an overnight ferry and then drove through three countries during like peak lockdown and like I was so nervous because I was like, Oh when whenever I thought I'd see the police were like we're coming to a border control, I was like, they could also they could just tell me to leave like like I, some other volunteers tried to get across like the Dover to Calais ferry crossing and they were told they had all this like work document to say that like the, what their work was doing was essential and that they were needed out there and like a proper like work agreement but um they were still rejected like someone the person that was like looking at the documents was like oh like working with refugees isn't a real job so like you know this is an essential work so like didn't let them across and like stamp their passport so they couldn't get across yeah. And we had another one of the team leaders that was planning to come, up, come back across, and his passport also got stamped because they were like, you know, you can't get across. But it's like, it's a sen- like it was, it's obviously essential aid that we're giving to people. Um, but yeah, so yeah. It's, it's been difficult. And then also, like, so there's like government food vans which come around, um, well, which go, go to the different sites each day, but like since evictions, like they've stopped those. Um, Mm-hmm. which means that like people aren't getting the like, same amount of like food support which is like it's yeah. obviously there are like charities that do kind of food hot food and stuff so everyone's having to like really do a lot more because the government just like just stops which is just and then even like not like, letting people access shout shower, like showers or like water it's like when like they need to like, wash their hands mm-hmm. and like trying and I don't know, keep as sanitary as possible because like We were really, I think, like, we were really scared at the start of, like, the pandemic that refugees would be hit really badly. But, like, touch wood so far in Calais, like, there's there's not been any, like, mass, like, you know, there's not been any massive, like, um, kind of, like... Outbreaks? Loads of cases. Yeah, outbreaks, that's what I'm looking for. Um, Yeah,
0: so... I could imagine, that Yeah, it definitely wasn't a massive concern. If, like, if there was to be an outbreak, I can imagine there probably wouldn't be... Um, like the ability to have a lot of social distancing and stuff so I feel like it yeah. probably hit really hard
1: yeah and like people have like lower lower immune systems and like obviously like you're just not having that access to like like water and like high and hygiene facilities like regularly it's mm-hmm. just massive like it's just horrible um so yeah but touch wood so far hopefully like yeah you know. but also I don't feel like it would it would even get onto the news like things don't get onto the media with what's going like these massive evictions that went down like like there was up to like 1,000 people in a settlement that just got like completely evicted like all their stuff taken taken stuff like up to 500 people were taken on buses and then like 500 people were just like walking aimlessly around Calais like not being able to like settle anywhere and like that literally didn't even get into the, the our, our like main um
0: news yeah what like what new, did like what new- what do people do like, when, when they get evicted? Like, what can they do after that?
1: People just, like, hope that there's people there, to, like, that there are, like, charities there that are, like, able to support. But they're kind of just, like, walking around. I mean, like, refugees are very, like, strong and resilient. So, like, mm. I mean, I've, spoke, like, I've had conversations with people and they're like, this is nothing compared to, like, what we've been through or, like, what we've seen. And, like, especially, like, in our, in our country, mm. like... Um, and you do learn a bit more about the conflict going on in people's countries because you don't, you don't know. And so but like obviously we're like this is mad, like people everything mm-hmm. the people own is being taken off them. Like and like something like a phone is like so important because like that's the only way for them to contact their family, that's the only way for them to like have any sort of like um like just imagine like arriving in a new country and not having any not knowing anything about the country, not speaking the language. Like how scary is that? But like even and then if your phone's taken, like or like your tent, where like you're sleeping, and it's just I know I was thinking thinking
0: seen, and they just before. do it, yeah. I was just thinking, and they before, just do like, it. Um, How can someone just like come into like I guess a field of people who have absolutely nothing, and then just continue to take away from them? I don't understand.
1: Yeah,
0: How people, think. Know, and then it's
1: like mass. Yeah, it's like massive like intimidation t- tactics, and like mm. they'll just drive the Sarahs so just drive around, or like kind of just like stand out and like watch them and it's just like and these like regular evictions are just to like scare people and to stop them from settling but like people have nowhere to go like they're like Mm -hmm. we have nowhere to go like where can we go and like obviously we can only support them so much and it's like sometimes you can feel a bit helpless because especially when all the evictions are going on because we just physically didn't have the capacity to be able to give everyone tents and obviously what i was saying Mm -hmm. about like festivals being cancelled and everything Mm -hmm. like um and also like we like we, while the evictions going on, and they are still like people aren't setting, Like if we give people tents, and then like literally two days later they're going to be taken. There's there's no point. So it's like, almost yeah. like we're waiting. We're, we're waiting for people to be able to settle somewhere, and actually like the police letting people settle before we're able to like give that, that level of support because like mm-hmm. there's, that's not sustainable. And like especially for them, like giving them something and then it being taken so soon after. Mm-hmm. But like if if these evictions carry on the way that it's going, like don't know, we'll have to. To see, but yeah, it's like, it's just, it's just horrible because it's not getting, it's not in the media at all. When like, mm. it's like such, uh, such a horrendous situation is going on mm. and it's like not, and like a load of people don't even know what, know that it's actually, mm. and it's literally right across, like it's 20 miles from, from Dover, which is like the port in the UK. So it's like mm. right from, right on the, on the front door or like back door, whatever the phrase is, but
0: yeah. Um, and so the people that are, like, the refugees, are they waiting to get approval to come into the UK? Is that what they're doing in Calais? They're trying to get across. So, like, they they
1: they don't want to claim asylum in France or have already and it's been rejected. Mm. So they're just constantly, like, waiting for a chance. So, like, people spend, like, every day, like, walking around trying to find chances. So, like, or, like, they have to spend, like, people will pay up, like, up to, like, 10000 like to pay a smuggler to try and get them across or like three mm. like something like I don't know obviously all the figures and like we don't get involved with that aspect of it but um a lot of people are paying like well if you've got the money but that's the thing like only if you've got the money and a lot of the like people that are coming from like Africa um haven't got the money to be able to like pay pay a smuggler to get them across in a boat so like a lot of people end up staying in Calais because like that getting that chance is like really really difficult um, and obviously really dangerous like people are like trying to go under lorry under lorries who are like, and like can you like how dangerous is that or like boats like in these little dinghy boats like where there's like 20 or 30 people sitting sit on this boat to do this channel crossing which obviously they do it in the middle of the night because like there's no way they can do it in the day mm-hmm. um so yeah like literally like people are just just trying just trying again and again so they're so mm-hmm. tired like because they're just trying um to get across and there's no legal way for people to get across so like they have to get away get across illegally it's mm. just like there needs to be some sort of like legal passage because like if people as soon as they get into the uk like it, they like the um, claim asylum the fact that they've got got across like not a legally, not a legal way just gets like disregarded so like it's pretty like because obviously they they have no other way to get across and like that's not looked at so like people that arrive on boats will often often get like got get like the police will be there when they arrive because obviously they'll have like the coast guard will have like noted that there's a, a boat mm. right like you know coming onto shore um so they'll then like go get into their like um claim straight away but a lot of people's like claim i don't know the statistics for it but like a lot of people's like first claim gets rejected and like then they have to like um appeal but like the chances of people's like yeah it's just it's true really especially if people have been like rejected in different um their asylum claims been rejected in different countries and then there's there's this thing called the dublin convention Mm -hmm. which is like a really outdated um, law basically which states that like you have to like or like it's actually it's Mm -hmm. it's basically that the country is up to the country's responsibility to um like the refugees like first safe country that they get in to claim asylum Mm -hmm. in that country but it's actually country's responsibility but we think it's like people think it's the refugees responsibility Mm -hmm. um but obviously think about like if everyone a lot of people arriving into Greece or a lot of people arriving to Italy like they do not have the like scope and like places like the UK no one ever is going to be arriving in the UK as their first point because obviously it's like far away from like Mm what the first country where people are going to come through Mm -hmm. so like places like there's completely like they don't have the resources to be able to take on that many refugees so like there needs to be like a different system put in place or like new laws but like obviously things are changing in the Brexit as well so I don't Mm -hmm. know what what um what Britain are going to end up doing but but yeah there needs to be change to the Mm -hmm. system really because it's not it's not it's not a good system at all Mm -hmm. so people might get like like refugees that arrive in the UK if they've had their fingerprint in another, another country like as in so like if they're fingerprinted in another country, that's technically their, like, first safe country that they've arrived in, so they can get deported to that country. But, like, if there's no jobs... So, like, there's a lot of refugees we speak to, they're like, oh, there's no jobs in Greece, there's no jobs in Italy, like... And, like, if there's no work for them, and they, they like, why would they want to stay there if they can't make a living for themselves? Yeah. Like, um,
0: so that's really tough as well. Yeah. I feel like um, a lot of people... Sorry, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I feel like some people um just seem to disregard that you know they don't do this as a first choice like um choosing to cross the sea in a little dinghy is not their first choice of what they want to do with their life like it's a last resort they're struggling like I don't understand why that can be so difficult for people to get sometimes but unfortunately it is Mm. yeah and how it's like yeah oh sorry i was gonna say because you mentioned brexit brexit before yeah how do you how do you think that'll impact it
1: well like there was the eu were looking to like change the because like i think the dublin convention was from like 1950s so like it's such an outdated
0: wow like
1: law um and so like they they're looking to change it but the uk were actually um kind of Vetoing the change and they they, because obviously for the UK, like it's amazing because like the UK is never going to be people's first safe country, so like it means that they get hard, like don't get like out of the like population, like they actually get hardly any refugees coming across them. So they like the system, but it's like so messed up because like it's not fair at all. And like Mm. the new system that the EU were looking for is to have more of like a shared thing, so like everyone takes like a percentage of like Mm. refugees and like they and in that, which obviously is a lot. Of a fair way to do it and on based on like resources and based on like um yeah like the country's economy and like whether they can like kind of handle it obviously like we understand it's like really hot like hard for like like places like greece that have like got a really bad economy to be taking Mm. on a lot of and like they just don't have the jobs to facilitate it Mm. um so yeah it's i but i i mean it feels like because there was a law about like unaccompanied minors where like if there's unaccompanied minors um if their families are in the uk they should be able to like get them to like you know they should be able to get to the uk with like support from the government and then be able to like take residency but like they basically were talking about like i think the conservatives like in their next like manifestos basically have gone back on like what they said and they're like well like we're not actually going to support that anymore which is just like ridiculous people below the age of like like kids children like when their families are in the uk like surely that's just like so clear that that should be something yeah, that like a right like, yeah yeah for sure it's like a right yeah but it's just I don't know how yeah so I back
0: on children
1: <laughs> yeah I know but then it's like yeah it's it's really surreal but I I feel like the UK is just gonna go down a bad bad path I don't mm. think it's going um yeah I don't think it's gonna so. <laughs> um I don't think it's gonna go um yeah end up but we'll see we'll see yeah.
0: Mo- moving back to I guess more about like your specific role um like kind of what are the best and I guess the worst parts of what you have to do
1: best and the worst part um the worst parts are uh, probably just like seeing the situation you mean the worst parts as in like what we deal with or like as in the stuff that we actually have to do or do you mean the stuff that we see
0: i guess um well you can say either but, <laughs> but i guess maybe like the stuff you have to see that's that's probably like what is that well is that the worst part of what you have to do like what you have to see i guess
1: yeah just like seeing people so so many people in the same in this situation where they've got nothing mm-hmm. and they're like they're like they're so positive and hopeful and like so like still so like see, like you know able to have like Conversations and like smile and like laugh and like they've just gone through so much and like like we failed them as like humanity and like it, we just like haven't like to just say know that like our government and like different governments are just completely like been like no like you know you don't deserve any any support or like humanity like it's just mm-hmm. that's definitely the one of the hardest parts just seeing like. All well, people go through and like constantly constantly getting like kind of treated so inhumanely and like um yeah, and sometimes obviously like feeling a bit helpless because you like want you feel like you know you can't really like stop the police from doing what they're doing or like these evictions or like you just want people to like get be safe and like be treated like people and humans like we all are, but um yeah, and I don't know the best part is quite difficult, like. <laughs> like it's really hard because like people be like oh like like hi how are you like are you enjoying and I really find I like I find it difficult when people like message like hi how are you and like I don't like I'm like yeah like I'm good but, like this is going on and like, well, like oh how's like are you enjoying it and it's like how like you can't say like you're enjoying this because mm-hmm. it's like not enjoyable city. like we shouldn't have to be here doing this like we yeah. shouldn't need to be out here volunteering this situation shouldn't be going on there shouldn't be like a thousand people in Calais like living on the streets like having their stuff taken off them like that just shouldn't be going on so like I don't know um but meeting so many amazing people like um who just are so positive and like really yeah really really lovely people um and having some like yeah great interactions with people and just like
0: I guess that that would be the yeah positive but um, but yeah. yeah going on from that obviously it is a really heavy thing that you're doing um and I can imagine it would take like an incredible emotional slash mental toll um yeah. what, what kind of things do you do to kind of relieve that and I guess to keep up good mental health
1: yeah um I don't know try and like I think definitely like speaking um with friends and like like cuz it's so consuming as you're saying like it's so physically and emotionally draining so like you do have to like take yourself out of it even though it's really hard to and you're like obviously you're like these people are going through this like you know I don't you part like I don't have to just be able to like go to the pub and things like that which obviously like you can't get into that it's a really like bad path to go down when you think about like you know I can't enjoy myself or whatever but um yeah i think just, just like speaking with like friends and family and like um taking time to like um yeah like in the evenings like kind of um stuff like going to the beach and just like kind of hanging out and taking yourself away a little bit um i think is really important because yeah it's it's all-consuming at times um but yeah as well just like taking time off when you need it so like i think like it's so easy to just be like no i'm gonna work like seven days a week so obviously you're volunteering so you're not on like a like your work um agreement to be like oh it's nine to five like five days a week you're volunteering so you could just volunteer every day so like you have to be like okay like today I'm gonna like take this off and like um take some time for myself so it's like yeah it's just really important to just like be aware of your like emotional state and being like okay like you know I need to take this time off and stuff um
0: yeah yeah that's a great point um and now, so just going away from what you're doing in Calais, um, you have obviously volunteered overseas before. So um, Becky and I met um, in Sri Lanka, actually, and I did briefly touch upon this last episode, um, but we were going to be doing a mental health placement um, and I was doing just a one-month one, month one um, in Sri Lanka. And um, Becky, you were doing a six-month um. So was it supervisor role that you were doing yeah, yeah.
1: well it's we're going to be doing
0: <laughs> yeah and then so when yeah obviously that all um got cancelled unfortunately and we went to thailand instead <laughs> but um it's so yeah. that's that's what you were doing in bali uh, a mental Crazy. health crisis?
1: yeah so i was doing um got offered to do this same role in bali the following year in january So we went out there for three months and then um, obviously was there. When we had to kind of, the travel advice change, which was quite similar to what it was in Sri Lanka, um, everything kind of happened very quickly. And then suddenly we, it was really bad timing as well, because we had uh, volunteers that literally had arrived that day. And then we had other volunteers were on there like third week. Um, So, but I think like having gone through what we had in Sri Lanka, I feel like I was better able to support the volunteers who were going through that cancellation of the placement and like those like emotions, because like I, understood how they felt and so like I knew how I wanted to um how I would have wanted to be support how I want- had wanted to be supported how like we had when we were going through what we had in Sri Lanka so like I think in that way it was helpful that I had been through that because then I could like I could kind of yeah help where possible but um yeah a break with that
0: goodness. mental health placement <laughs>
1: First, like so, second, COVID. <laughs> well, my yeah, my friends are like, oh, like you should just not go away. Like you, every time you go away to try and do like this big placement, but obviously, like, um, yeah, everyone's gone through so much with like COVID, so every like everything, everyone has been affected in different ways, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I'm I I really glad that I got the opportunity to go and do it for a few months. Yeah. Um, and is- I kind of yeah, and when I was out there, I knew that the next state like next area of work that I did want to go into was with refugees so I think that like now this that I'm here and that's what I'm doing so yeah I'm kind of excited to kind of take this further and see where I can best be placed to kind of help
0: yeah and so obviously you really like going overseas and you really like um helping other people while you're overseas uh so what is it um about that that makes you want to do do that um what drives that passion of yours
1: yeah I think it's just that we are born into like we're born like well I was born with a lot of opportunity and like you're literally like it's just complete luck into where where like to who like where you're born and like it it makes like the inequality is just insane and like because I I had like I've you know I've been able to have so much opportunity. Like, I don't know, it just it seems natural to mm-hmm. want to help people that are in these like horrible situations. And like, with refugees, I feel like they're the people, like, an area, like a group of people in the world which are like the most kind of like, vulnerable? like, looked, looked, yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the right word. Um, mm-hmm. And just because like everything they've gone through in their country and like the conflict or like poverty. And then like, on top of that the situation like you know being in all these different countries and having these hostile environments and like just not having a place to call home and like like it's just it's just absolutely horrendous so like I just think that that if you can like work like you should should help basically like
0: yeah yeah um I know I love that um you know if as you said we're, we're both like have been born into positions of privilege you know and obviously you know you don't choose to be to have that and obviously you don't choose to be born into positions of underprivileged so i think it's really cool um, that you want to use you know what you've been given um for good i guess that's really great hmm. um i'll ask what is your idea of success
1: my idea of success mm-hmm. <laughs> um i don't know that's a hard <laughs> question <laughs> sorry <laughs> um i think no, it's fine. Um, I think success means different things to different people. Um, like, some people obviously like their like main goal in life is to earn money, and like that, to, you know, their success might be defined by how much money they earn, which is okay. Other people's might be like, you know, having a happy family and being happy. Like, I think success is a weird word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most important thing is to feel comfortable and be happy and like be in a place where you feel or like be around people that you feel yeah like comfortable and like loved and that kinda and supported. So yeah, definitely think that there should there shouldn't be as much focus on like success and there should be like a focus on um happiness and um
0: yeah that (laughs) that does lead perfectly into my next question which is what is your (laughs) idea of happiness? Oh
1: my god, so many hard questions. Um, no. <laughs> no, it's fine. um what is my idea of happiness? I think what I said basically just like um yeah, like feeling feeling good and feeling like comfortable and probably feeling like loved and cared for and cared and the and cared with other people as well. Um and having that support network is really important. Um, and having like, yeah, being like healthy, like we're having like healthy relationships and like healthy, healthy times. Um, but yeah, happiness might mean different to different people. Cause like,
0: mm.
1: just, like someone's like, might feel happy from like buying a new item of clothing. Other people might feel happy from like going on a holiday. So like, I think everyone has different, um, I don't know what the word is. Everyone has different like reasons or like, motivations. Um so it's important to like I think to know what your what makes you happy or like what what, because then I think you can you can make yeah you can make decisions which affect which affect that.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um I have two more questions. Hopefully are a little more easy a little easier, sorry. Um so the first one (laughs) is if you could meet anyone in the world dead or alive, who would you want to meet? oh I don't
1: like know why so that's not easy oh yeah that's not an easy question um I, mean, I don't know like I don't know probably like everyone like always you know this is like a question that people ask and like I don't really like follow celebrity that much yeah so like I, I don't know I wouldn't say any, anyone like presently that I'm like with yes. someone anyone that's alive I'm like oh like I really want to meet them mm. um am not sure mm-hmm. like in terms of like like family I guess if it's like family I don't remember meeting my grandma so oh. she passed away when I was like two so maybe um meeting that would be my dad's mom so maybe maybe her yeah yeah Absolutely. or like obviously there's obviously there's there's people that have done amazing things in the world and like had a massive impact and are like really inspirational and incredible people but like there are actually a lot of people like that so like I wouldn't be able to like kind of decide Mm. yeah narrow it down to one one person
0: well I think your grandma's a great answer (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay and my last question and I ask this because you always have great book recommendations but are you reading anything at the moment that is good
1: <laughs> uh, well I'm, I have no time to like yeah. I was reading quite a lot during lockdown mm-hmm. as I said like I'd read the most books I'd ever read but um I'm reading I I need to get back to it but I was reading a great book called Factfulness which is like about um reasons why the world is better off than we actually are and like mm-hmm. I think with the kind of work that I'm doing right now and like the other work that I have done like you can get quite um, bogged down about everything because like you can see, you see the the worst of the world and you see like worst of humanity so like it's, mm. you can end up being like feeling quite negative about the world but like this I got this book because like I was reading a lot of stuff that were heavy things as well and I was like oh like I want to read something positive and like there are obviously a lot of incredible things that are happening and like change that's going on so this is just about like different ways of kind of like yeah I think it kind of just goes into um the like yeah, the good things about the world and, like, how much, like, how, like, for example, and it starts with, like, a, um, I think it starts with, like, a quiz, like, a 15-question quiz and it's, like, um, multi-choice and, like, you, loads of people get, the, get so many answers to these wrong and, like, basically just to say, like, for example, it's, like, oh, like, do you think poverty is, like, like, extreme poverty is, like, doubled, halved or stays the same or and like positive that, like, there's that a lot um, more and it's, like, about viewing the world, the world and, like, a more positive way or like the way that we you know the way of like viewing the world of like Mm -hmm. western and eastern and all that kind of stuff and like you shouldn't actually view the world like that or like first world country like um you know developing developed and like actually that's a really outdated view of viewing the world so Mm -hmm. it kind of like goes through like different, but it's very based on like facts and like statistics as well which is really great obviously like it's important to be like looking in at the data um but then also isn't just like it's too scientific to be like um, to be boring. of that many, yeah. yeah, like it is. Re- so I was reading that and I'm really enjoying it. But obviously, like completely stopped that because of mm. because of
0: the,
1: because of volunteering. But yeah, I'm hoping to get back to that. So yeah. definitely recommend that book.
0: Yeah, you always have great book recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> I think you recommended *Sapiens* to me, and the last book I think you recommended was um, *Prisoners of Geography*. Was that the one? yes that's really interesting yeah. yeah I still haven't read it yet
1: but I plan to <laughs> yeah no definitely it's very good and
0: so and what so, was the name of the one you just recommended then Factfulness Factfulness I love it yeah but I think it's like hands rolling that's Rosling. awesome I might look it up and put it in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out um because I think we could all definitely use a little bit of positivity at the moment yeah um definitely. So those are all my questions. Um, So if you have anything else you wanted to say, let me know. But um, otherwise, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me about your experiences um, in Calais and also, well, in Bali and Sri Lanka a little bit as well. Thanks, Becky. Really appreciate it. (laughs) And obviously, I think you're super amazing and I think you're doing some incredible stuff over there. So amazing. Good job. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to the fourth episode of the Powerful People podcast. I had a lot of fun chatting with my friend Becky. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as well. Um, Now, Becky doesn't actually have Instagram, so I can't um, flex her. But uh, if you want to follow the podcast Instagram it's at powerful people podcast Um, I've also put in the show notes factfulness which is the book that Becky recommended that I'm definitely putting on my reading list and then I've also put in the link for the website for care for Calais just in case anyone was interested in kind of what Becky was doing and what they do over there so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode um, and stay tuned for episode five coming in the next couple weeks thanks guys bye